This is the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIPC. Well, good evening. And uh, it certainly is uh, been a chaotic week so far, but we're going to get right through it. Let's not waste any time. Let's get right to the news. Rolling Stone, among several other leftist publications, are losing their ever-loving minds. And why? Because Speaker Mike Johnson has a certain flag outside his office. And uh, this flag uh, is described by the Rolling Stone as a... uh, die-hard vision of a hegemonically Christian America. Just a terrible, horrible thing. I mean, goodness gracious. He, he describes this flag as some kind of theocratic fascist nightmare. Oh, it's just so horrible. And when you're reading this, your brain starts conjuring up all of these horrible images of such a evil, racist, terrible, just disregarding life and dignity kind of flag. And uh, then we actually got a picture of uh, what the flag looks like. That is the Appeal to Heaven flag with the pine tree under it. And uh, it was commissioned uh, as an official United States flag during the Revolutionary War by George Washington. So uh, the Speaker of the House is is flying a flag that uh, is from the Revolutionary War. And um, that's it. So starting off strong this i'm honestly starting off just super duper way to go always impressive of course you don't see the rolling stone throwing any kind of shade at uh, ilhan omar's uh, office doors as as matthew foley pointed out um or excuse me rashida talib flying a fake flag of a non-existent country that's been used to justify actual religious extremism and terrorism uh not to mention heaps and heaps of murder and he said look forward to the story the catch is uh That could technically apply to either the Palestinian flag or the pride flag that Rashida Tlaib is flying. So uh, God forbid that you have a flag that says an appeal to heaven. God forbid that you fly a uh, flag from the Revolutionary War or wear a Gadsden flag at an elementary school. Uh, But, you know, fly all of the uh, Hamas flags, Palestinian flags and pride progress flags that you like. Hey, you just draw ACAB all over absolutely everything you own and no one will bat an eye. There's a lot of other nonsense going on around the country for people worried about flags because in San Francisco, uh, Chairman Xi of China, you know China, the one that murders the Uyghur Muslim populations and throws everyone they don't like into prison, you know, communist China. Well, there was a uh, parade in San Francisco uh, for President Xi's motorcade today. Why don't you uh, take a look at these shenanigans? That's right. In San Francisco, that's the lovely flag of communist China being flown with banners welcoming Z to the United States. The murderous dictator was allowed to parade through the streets of the United States. Of course, we won't see the Rolling Stone uh, freaking out about that because, oh, good heavens, why would you? Uh, There are so many more important things to be worried about. Like, again, a flag from our own history being flown outside the Speaker of the House's office. 
Uh, Speaking of world news, it's not really any better out there. It seems that uh, the pro-Hamas media outlets are having significant problems getting Palestinian uh, witnesses on television to say things in favor of Hamas. Al Jazeera kicked a man off of an interview today for saying that Hamas is hiding among the civilians and using them as human shields. Here's a little bit about what this looked like. So this man is saying the Israeli army is telling people to go south of northern Gaza. He says it wasn't just one house was bombed, an entire compound was erased. And then the guy starts to take kind of a a different turn. And he says, as for the resistance, as for the Hamas, they hide among the people. And then he starts saying that that these these Hamas individuals don't represent Palestine, that they can, uh, he says they can go to hell, that they're very terrible and he wishes that they didn't exist at all. And uh, Al Jazeera cut him off of the air. Uh, This makes like the 15th time in the last month that Al Jazeera has had to cut someone off of the air or cut an event they were live streaming off of the air uh, because uh, people were saying certain unapproved opinions. And speaking of uh, unapproved opinions, or at least the, the fight that's certainly being claimed so, the Republican Party has decided to split yet again. So we'd already decided to split between the kind of neoconservative war hawks and, and establishment versus the populists and the traditional conservatives. And this kind of split came about around 2016, stemmed from the Tea Party, and a lot of Republicans were deeply concerned, deeply frustrated uh, with the lack of really any listening that the establishment was doing for the younger generation. They were kind of saying they were going to do one thing to their constituents, then going to D.C. and doing something else. You know the song and dance when it comes to the establishment. And now it seems that uh, populists are going to split from the traditional conservatives. Uh, Candace Owens has decided to make a very loud and angry, what appears to be some kind of exit from the Daily Wire. And now you have the populists who are growing increasingly anti-Israel and wildly anti-Semitic based on the majority of the comments that I've been seeing from populists online. Uh, So that's one faction uh, mixed with kind of a strange hyper isolationism. And then you have the traditional conservatives who are saying that, no, uh, I'm I'm afraid that saying people only support Israel because uh, the Jews are paying the money is rather anti-Semitic. You have that crowd. So one year before the 2024 presidential elections, the Republican Party has decided to split into three factions that hate each other very, very much. And, And can I just say, outstanding work because we've clearly seen that by splitting the party down the middle over the last couple of years worked so well didn't we i mean we've invested all of our time into into personalities that were supposedly going to take us all forward and that we were all going to get behind and he was going to do amazing things and that didn't happen and then we tried the establishment strategy and that didn't happen so now we're just going to kind of fracture into oblivion and uh honestly at this point we might as well We might as well split into three factions because we can't get anything done otherwise. Everyone's going to bicker, complain, whine, and squirm. And at least you might as well have fun while you're doing it. Which, uh, quite honestly, brings me to the best reaction to the kind of Tucker Carlson on one side, Daily Wire on the other split this evening. And that's from a friend of mine, Allie Beth Stuckey, who uh, works for The Blaze. And there is a popular internet meme of Matthew McConaughey uh, hitting a drug-laced cigarette, let's say, and looking at his phone, because what he is looking at is just absolutely wild. 
And honestly, that's kind of where I'm at. We live in such an insanely crazy time filled with just the hilariousness of nonsense from every orifice of every individual that really you might as well stick around and enjoy the show. Up next, we're going to be talking to Tyler O'Neill, the Daily Signal. He's been following parental rights and the elections surrounding them in Loudoun County, Virginia. You're not going to want to miss it. You're listening to the Tony Kinnecast on 93 WIBC. It's the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIPC. Another day, another batch of shenanigans. Good evening. I'm Tony Kinnett. This is the Tony Kinnett Cast, and we're joined this evening by Tyler O'Neill, uh, editor at The Daily Signal, and uh, a lot of trouble as far as his reporting is concerned. How's it going, man? <laughs> hey, pretty good. Uh, heard some very good news out of Loudoun County, Virginia. Uh, just about an hour ago, someone uh, named Buddha Bibaraj uh, formally conceded her election defeat. So, so tell me, tell me more about this. I know Loudoun County has been a mess because of the sexual assaults that were there, and then the cover up, and and I think the entire school board was summarily replaced in the last election. Yes, yeah, and that was something you covered right on election night. Uh, the fact that only two of the school board members decided to even throw their hats in the ring for wow. re-election. And even those two were knocked out. Uh, but Buddha Bibaraj is a Soros prosecutor, you know, supported, bankrolled by a Soros organization. And she was one of the worst when it comes to not enforcing the law against certain criminals. And this actually also applied to the notorious 2021 sexual assault, actually rape case, where this 15-year-old boy sodomized a girl in a girl's restroom. And like, this isn't just me saying this, he pleaded guilty uh, right. to these charges. And so this, this is not like conjecture. And he, you know, he pleaded guilty. And then of course, what happened was they ruled that he had to register as a sex offender. No brainer, right? Uh, and Buddha Bibaraj messed up the filing so badly that a judge had to throw that requirement out. And so naturally, really? Scott Smith, who is the dad who got arrested after he spoke up because the school board superintendent had this asinine statement where he essentially denied the very existence of the boy who raped Scott Smith's daughter. Um, you know, Scott Smith got angry, understandably so, and mm -hmm. was charged and convicted of disorderly conduct. Thank goodness Glenn Youngkin pardoned him. But Scott Smith came out and, and specifically said that Buddha Bibaraj is to blame for his daughter's rapist not being required to register as a sex offender. So, so seeing Buddha Bibaraj officially lose this race is a great step for justice, and she represents the last one of all the leaders involved with this sexual assault uh, cover up, you know, the whole issue, the botched response that they had to it. Um, she's the last one to go, which is really great we're, news. We're on with Tyler O'Neill from the Daily Signal. We've been working a lot with the Loudoun County situation. It, it's been a crazy couple of years in that entire mess. And to see every single person that, again, has some kind of culpability in this nightmare uh, that not only that Smith faced, but a lot of other parents in, in being terrified over their children's safety due to the school's insane transgender policies, uh, as well as just a lack of safety protocol in general. 
there's been this massive flare up for transparency where now you see both sides, both the union side, as well as uh, more of the parental rights movement, trying to claim that they're running for parental rights in elections through transparency. So both sides are now trying to claim, hey, well, we're transparent. We want everyone to see what's going on. And and I'm just not buying it. Uh, I'm not really buying both sides here running up for transparency because what I'm seeing in these elections, and it's excellent that a, that a prosecutor as garbage as this was kicked out. I'm still seeing a lot of school boards that are kind of holding their cards so closely to the chest at the expense of student safety and with parents. I, what kind of trends are you seeing uh, as far as this transparency angle? Yeah, I think this is a, uh, a David and Goliath struggle is the way that Moms for Liberty co-founder Tiffany Justice described it to me earlier. Um, you know, we saw in this election where Buddha Bibaraj was ousted, we saw many uh, pro-parental rights candidates for school board lose their races. And it's important mm -hmm. to note that, you know, Moms for Liberty is a two-year-old organization. They got 50 people elected to school board this past election. But, and I mean, naturally, as, as you noted, a lot of the school board candidates claim that they want transparency too. And they often accuse people on the conservative side who are fighting for parental rights of trying to censor certain books by keeping them out of school libraries. They call this censorship mm, right. when in reality, these books are often sexually explicit. But what we saw in the elections was uh, a very much a mixed bag because we had some good results. And then, of course, we had a lot of races where the teachers union candidates were able to prevail and against candidates that in sometimes were backed by Moms for Liberty. And so what we're looking at is an uphill fight. This is not and this was because these are a lot of local races and you right. didn't have the top of the ticket. Uh, driving turnout, which often is one of the things that leads to people being held accountable. Uh, we have to have more Americans turning out to vote in their local school board races. It's not enough to, you know, for somebody to say, let's, let's run for school board to people, for people to consider running for school board, which is a great thing to do. But you sure. also have to say, like, everybody who cares needs to vote. Uh, every year in the off-year elections, as well as when you have somebody at the top of the ticket that's going to drive a lot of turnout. Uh, and what we saw, I think, this year was, so last year, Moms for Liberty racked up huge successes, especially in Florida, where so many parental rights candidates won their races. But this year... You know, partially because most of these races are just local, it was a lot harder. And I think that's, that's what we're going to see going forward. So it's important to change the narrative here to emphasize that these school boards that shifted the buck when it came to COVID restrictions that are trying to hide what teachers are doing when it comes to CRT and sexualized lessons in the classroom and deprioritizing ABCs, one, two, threes, and putting the focus on this woke agenda. Uh, these people need to be replaced and we need to have uh, voters turn out and we need to have parents speak up because so much of the institutions are being ramrodded by this woke ideology. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, 
I hope that this can be a bipartisan issue. I would love to see, you know, Democrats. Most of these school board races are nonpartisan. I would love to see anybody, even remotely on the left, actually supporting parental rights and actually returning to basics. Unfortunately, I think this has become largely a conservative issue. I don't think it needs to be conservative. It's only conservative because the woke ideology has so infected and taken over the left. And, hmm. You know, you know, this is one of the things that I want to point out, because, uh, you, you know, you mentioned that we need to kind of change the narrative here. And I think that kind of how that comes across is, though, we're taking a narrative and then we're kind of changing certain aspects of it to make it look a certain way. When in reality, it's it's not changing the narrative as though you're altering it. You are changing it by stepping back and looking at a few things that aren't typically reported on. One of those things that I want to point out is that even a lot of these school board elections in which the pro parental rights candidate didn't win, it was incredibly close. I mean, these were some of the closest elections or the most, the closest elections that we'd seen in these districts in decades. I mean, within a hundred votes uh, of each other and not for a lack of turnout, there was a large amount of turnout. And, and I think that kind of the base lesson to learn from this. When I say that the, the the fight isn't over, usually you hear the fight isn't over and that means that's kind of a rallying cry for the losing team to keep going. No, when I say the fight isn't over, I mean, these are incredibly specific, very carefully defined margins that we're looking at in these districts. And because there is such a large amount of support for the left, for the right, for parental rights, for public school uh, kind of establishment teachers union style policy, we are not done seeing the fight over education in this country. It's not going away. We were told it was going to fade. And instead, it's just as flared up as it ever was. And going into 2024, oh, man, we're about to see education play probably the first main role in a presidential election in the history of the United States. And that's incredible. Yeah. No. And I think, as I said before, I don't think this should be a partisan issue, but unfortunately it has become that way. And if, if anyone on the left wants to step up for parental rights and actually get cut through the, the fog on this and say, look, we want education, not indoctrination. You know, right. we, we just saw Barry Weiss, who used to work at the friggin' New York Times. You know, she is no conservative, and yet she has come out very firmly against DEI indoctrination. That's the kind of moderate voice that more people on the left need to be listening to, because this is about America, about the basics about strengthening our country and returning to the things that made us great. And if that's conservative, sign me up a hundred percent. But it's also like, <laughs> it shouldn't be conservative. These right. are the things like, I want to see a left in this country, a democratic party that will agree with us on the goodness of America, that will stand against this ideology and actually argue about specific ways that we can cut our debt and deficits, for example, that we can prepare to stand up against China, that we can address the real issues that matter and not constantly argue, not, you know, not cite the Southern Poverty Law Center to demonize <laughs> people who are calling for higher standards and right. education. Like this is this this is not this should not be a real issue. And the fact that it is is horrible. Absolutely. Tyler, spot on as always. Tyler O'Neill, Daily Signal. Thanks for hopping on with us. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks again for having me, Tony. 
You are listening to the Tony Kennecast on 93 WIBC. It's the Tony Kennecast on 93 WIBC. Good evening and welcome back to the Tony Kennett cast on 93 WIBC. I am Tony Kennett and uh, to kind of roll things just a little bit back, I've got a question, an honest question, and uh, hopefully one that you'll take perhaps a little bit more seriously than normal things that you hear on the air. If you don't carry, if you don't concealed carry, why not? Really, if, if you is a, an individual out there, no matter where you are, whether you're out driving, whether you're on the second shift line, if you're an individual that does not carry, why not? Because there are certainly a lot of reasons in this modern society to carry. Things are getting rather out of control. Carjackings are at an all-time high. Road rage incidents in which people are being dragged out of their vehicles, whether at protests or in downtown environments, are also at a record sky-high rate. We're seeing, of course, the massive clashes between Israel and pro-Hamas protesters, and these pro-Hamas protesters, like the BLM riots of 2020, aren't exactly checking to see whether an individual does or doesn't agree with them before they start assaulting them malevolently. And it's kind of hard to explain that you really didn't mean any harm, you just want to be left alone while you're being beaten to death. As, uh, again, as we saw in a horrific fashion in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, in the stabbing spree at LSU just a couple of days ago. You probably didn't even hear about that one. And then, of course, the numerous anti-Semitic attacks around the country. I would highly encourage every single individual out there to look into getting a Glock. Look into getting some type of a handgun and learn to carry when you are out and about. Most likely, you'll never need it. Good. I have carried for some time. I hope that I never have to use it. But it is something that is good to have, not just as an insurance policy, but as a reminder that you, as an individual, share a part of the responsibility for the safety of the group. Individualistic freedom only comes with your ability to maintain it. And that means in a horrible situation, you might have to defend yourself and those around you. Now, that certainly is not an endorsement of vigilante justice, nowhere near it. But there is a point in society where we need to realize that sometimes the cops are not going to arrive fast enough. That's not a dig on the cops either. Many cops that I know are the most stringent supporters, the most exuberant supporters of concealed carrying. Don't let the Democrats pulling on random Indiana state police officers fool you. The majority of Indiana state police officers, local county officials, as well as the average individual in the military highly supports concealed carry. Why? Because it is the most basic expression of your Second Amendment right, and it eliminates immediately a host of problems that plague our society today. I have heard time and time and time again from women who do not walk out at night, or if they do walk out at night, they have a very strange convoluted series of methods that they use, including acting like a crack addict, uh, smelling really bad, and uh, my personal favorite, um, waving their arms around as soon as they see another person, which I kind of guess would kind of fit the the crack addict motif, in order to not be assaulted. Um, The number one way for a woman to not be assaulted is to shoot the man that is attempting to assault her. Bar none. The number one way to prevent a rape is to shoot the rapist. 
And so therefore, I encourage you to carry. I don't encourage you just to throw a gun on the hip. I don't really consider that carrying. I'm not asking you to go be William G. Wallace down at the Walmart with the big revolver on the hip. That's not necessarily carrying. I'm not asking you to show off. I'm not asking you to have a gun just because guns are cool. Although, believe me, guns are cool. I'm encouraging you to carry responsibly. Train. There are a lot of local police departments. There are a lot of local groups that teach safety exercises and teach individuals how to carry safely. A lot of Jewish individuals are doing so right now. All around the state of Indiana, I was just speaking to a police officer uh, at my church uh, this last week who was training a group of Jewish individuals uh, because of the high rate of anti-Semitic attacks. In 2020, 2021, a lot of business owners in Indianapolis uh, went out and got trained in how to wield not just pistols, but like close defense uh, practice. And it's a very good thing because you will not likely have to use it. But if you do, you will certainly be glad that it's there. Lastly, and and I would argue perhaps most succinctly, the most important reason that you should carry is because it elevates your sense of responsibility for your words and for your actions. Understanding that, yeah, things might get out of hand if you aren't careful with your words is a sense of respect that we have completely lost in society. Because people throw out words and insults and all kinds of nonsense on the streets at a rate that they never have before. There isn't a standing respect for individuals at the other end of a conversation before while you're or anymore while you're out on the street. Anytime there is the slightest inconvenience, we are willing to throw out innumerable insults. At any individual, castigate them because we don't think, what, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to shout back. Carrying kind of eliminates that because I understand that anyone that is carrying a firearm, I should probably address respectfully. And I know there are the detractors, a lot of the the pro, uh, the anti-gun advocates out there, the the pro-gun control crowd, as, as they might be, would say that if everyone were to carry, then America would become the Wild West. Yet we see the fewest amount of handgun violences in the country in states where people carry the most handguns legally. Again, if you take a look at the charts, states like Idaho and Texas, where almost all individuals carry in certain demographics, have the least amount of handgun-related crimes, whereas in cities where it's most difficult to carry, like Washington, D.C. and Chicago, these are where you find the most handgun-related incidents and crimes. The Independent and uh, several other organizations have this dead wrong. When they say that the number one marker for a mass shooter, the number one marker for an individual who is uh, possibly going to commit a gun crime is their military status is patently false. The number one marker for whether an individual is going to be involved in a mass shooting or a high handgun event is whether or not they live in an urban area in a downtown environment. So, when I walk through downtown Indianapolis, I'm carrying. And I'm not carrying so that I can strut my stuff and show everyone how cool the gun on my hip is. Although, it's a really cool gun. It's either a Glock 9mm or an H&K VP9, depending on the day and, uh, honestly, on on what kind of belt I'm wearing. Uh, The thickness of the belt kind of messes with the holster. That's not the reason you carry. And you don't carry because you're going to be super Mr. Hero either. You're going to to pull out the gun and save everybody. Although, like in the situation with the Greenwood Mall shooter, 
that sometimes is the calling that is placed upon you to defend those around you. No, you carry and conceal to protect your individual rights. And those are all of the individual rights of you and those around you. Not to make a political statement, not to uh, exacerbate any kind of a, a rough or scary situation, but to make it incredibly clear that you are taking the life of yours in your own hands and that you are not willing to be bulldozed by a holistic load of nonsense and garbage-esque bureaucracy that has so infested modern society. And so again, I ask you, what is it going to take for you to carry? Don't be at the other end of some kind of a, a nonsensical bit of violence that becomes a statistic on the news. Don't be the kind of individual that uh, loses their life due to a downtown mugging or a carjacking or, God forbid, one of these horrible protesting events gone wrong. And do not carry when you do foolishly. Don't simply pick up a gun and think that because you have a gun now you are, uh, as Oppenheimer put it, death incarnate. No, that's certainly not the point, and that's not the attitude of an individual who is carrying. Make sure that you're trained. Make sure that you carry responsibly. But please, make sure that you carry. Up next, we're going to be talking a little bit about Salon and libs of TikTok because stochastic terrorism—excuse me, stochastic terrorism—and charges of the above have become so common online uh, that it's almost become a tongue twister to read precisely as you uh, just saw. You are listening to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. This is the Tony Kennett Cast on 93 WIBC. Good evening and welcome to the Tony Kennett Cast. If you're here, howdy. If you're not, uh, I, I think I think you are. You might want to check again. Stochastic terrorism. It's a jumble of words that means well, when people say exceptionally mean things that you don't like. And um, that's really about it. So uh, there's this new trend that's been going around. Don't know if you've maybe heard about it in just a little bit, uh, where individuals who perhaps condemn things online or in publications or in public in general. Like, let's say I don't want someone, you know, gyrating in lingerie in front of my children. You know, let's just pick something out there and crazy. Um, if I say that I don't want that. And then three weeks later, someone out there, they don't have to be in my community. They can be halfway across the country. They can be on Mars for crying out loud. If someone out there in the ether goes and commits some kind of a crime against a person who gyrates in front of children in lingerie, the left will then say, aha, see, this individual did so because Tony Kennett said he doesn't like grown men gyrating in front of children in lingerie. That's bad. That's inciting violence. That's stochastic terrorism. And this has become the, the new cry. So in case you were keeping up with all of the fads, uh, this is one of the newer ones. And one of the main targets of this is, is a good friend of mine, Chaya Reishik. You might know her better as Libs of TikTok. And a couple of years ago, she started documenting a lot of weird posts from activists around the internet, uh, uh, certainly a lot of posts from teachers who were doing a lot of really weird crap and bragging about it on camera. Not individuals who are, are just out there and happen to uh, perhaps be a member of the LGBTQ plus 2IA community or whatever it is these days that we're calling it, but someone who is taking a video and saying, hi, I'm LGBTQ plus 2IA and I am shoving this in the face of my students day after day. And 
libs of TikTok would take these videos and would post them and say, look, you know, they're proud of this. This is the kind of stuff they're putting in front of your kids. And then the individual who, again, bragged about that kind of lasciviousness, let's say, in front of uh, the entire Internet would get some kind of blowback because, you know, kind of an interesting idea here. There was a certain teacher at Hamilton Southeastern, an orchestra teacher, and he sent some really inappropriate text messages to a student um, who was still in school and asking him if he wanted to, you know, go out and get in a little bit of trouble or, or, you know, some other really weird, gross stuff. And uh, it turns out parents don't like adults hitting on children. Again, I know, crazy, crazy stuff here on the Tony Kinnick cast, crazy ideas. And there's blowback to those things. And a lot of parents want those teachers or activists fired from their job where they are so close to children. They may even want individuals prosecuted for crimes. Again, you know, I I don't know if you guys are quite aware of how the law works, but you're not allowed to get sexual in front of children, uh, not just in Indiana, but like federally. So I, I know I, I'm learning new things every day. And um, recently, there was a pastor, I guess, of a church down in Alabama who, uh, in, in his side time, he cross-dressed a little bit and did some other weird things. So this uh, outlet in Alabama that I've never heard of called 1819 News, at least I think it may be 1918 News. I have to go back and check because I've literally never, ever heard of them uh, before today. 1819 News. They wrote an article that said, hey, there's this pastor dude that's around kids a lot and he cross-dresses and he does some other weird things. And that's kind of weird. Just thought the community might ought to know. And so there was a lot of community backlash against this. And uh, the publication uh, posted some information that was private, uh, didn't just post social media posts or amplify social media posts like Shia Reishik does. And there was a a lot of of blowback against this local pastor and also the mayor of this town, Um, because, you know, it's the South and like everyone wears like 15 hats in a job down there. And so the pastor eventually uh, he committed suicide, which is horrible. And immediately right after the the suicide um this weirdo named amanda marcotte for salon and if you know anything about the publication salon you know exactly where the segment is going she wrote an article in which she blamed libs of tiktok my friend chaya reishik and everyone online who said that men shouldn't gyrate in front of children on this completely unrelated death of this uh, alabama guy and uh the article is exactly as wacky as you might think it is. I, I wrote about it today. She mentions Chaya, who had never before mentioned this guy, had never really even heard of this guy, uh, like 13 times in the article, and didn't even mention the name of the 1819 News, the one who wrote about the the pastor that was cross-dressing, in her tweet yelling at libs of TikTok. Because she says, well, you're you're setting some kind of a temperature by by decrying these things. You are you are putting LGBTQ plus people at risk. And here's where it gets just a little bit awkward, because when you insinuate that if I call out gross behavior in front of children, like, let's say, I don't know, gyrating in lingerie in front of kids. You know, the kind of stuff that happened at like the Pendleton Pride Parade or the kind of stuff that happens at the Indiana Youth Group event that they hold annually. If I call that out, what I am, if you say that I am actually therefore targeting all LGBTQ individuals, 
you are insinuating that all LGBTQ plus 2IA whatever individuals do the sexually lascivious stuff. It becomes this very weird Freudian slip all of a sudden. You see the same thing, by the way, when progressives freak out when uh, we saw this in, in California just last week because there are schools that are considering putting up metal detectors because, you know, kids are bringing knives to school and, you know, stabbing each other, you know. You remember being a kid and stabbing everyone. And so progressives lost their ever-loving minds because they said uh, this is going to negatively impact black students. Now, all students, black, white, brown, turquoise, and chartreuse were walking through the metal detectors, but yet the progressives are insinuating that black students would be suspended more. Why? Are you suggesting black students stab people more? I, I Again... The, the benefit of being on the right, the benefit of being a conservative is that I get to say I'm colorblind and you can believe me. You cannot believe me. I don't care. I treat every single person that I come across the absolute same until you give me reason to believe otherwise. And that's not going to come from your skin color. It's going to come based on your actions and your words. Most often your words. Also, if your hair's like turquoise and your hair's short, I'm sorry that uh, that's going to that's a little bit of, of pre-existing prejudice that I do have because like. 99 out of 100 girls with like the short short hair and the turquoise and the 800 piercings i mean you know they're not about to tell you a really great recipe for blackberry cobbler so that stuff aside the left doesn't do this again for years the left has insinuated that individuals are good or bad based on a set of pre-existing characteristics and they say that society is a whole to be damned because everyone's walking around saying black people are bad, white people are good, or white people are bad, black people are good. The average person doesn't think this. But that doesn't matter because the left has so ensconced themselves in this constant obsession over race and sex and gender that when people on the right start to call out behaviors... They start assigning it to groups. So a uh, little bit, a little bit of food for thought there to my fellow stochastic terrorists. It's been great being with you guys this evening. Thanks for sticking around. Christ is King. We'll see you tomorrow. This has been the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIBC.